Well, not long ago, I was riding a, a two-track trail, which is mostly flat. It's actually an abandoned railway line, so you can imagine how flat that is. But it goes through some beautiful, remote, and wild places. You pass ponds, you ride along rivers, you cut through forests. The trestles are, are still mainly intact. Every now and then you'll come up to one that isn't, and you'll have to go through a river or a creek. And um, sometimes the rock has been blasted through to, to make the track flat. They, they cut straight through the rock. So you sort of go through a slot canyon as you're riding along, all done, you know, 100, 100 uh, plus years ago. So although it's relatively flat, there, it's a lot of fun because it does have challenging sections. Usually you'll come across, and these come, come up every now and then. Like it's not rare. It's, it's sort of you ride straight for a while and then you hit a challenge and then you hit another challenge. And you'll find that um, often there's water crossings where a beaver will make a dam, it'll flood it out, and you have to go through the water. Muddy sections, which can be quite large at times where the, the rail, railway bed has degraded to the point where it's just mud and, and it can be challenging. But it also has sand sections. And, and the sand sections are interesting because it's deep, soft, heavily grooved by anyone who's ridden through there before or went through with an ATV or anything. It's, it's a, there's a lot of sand. And you sort of look at it and you think, where does this all come from? Well, there's something about that sand. Anytime I've ever ridden with anyone else, as, as we ride along, I, I often notice that there's some people in the group that that sand literally stops them. There's something about sand that seems to quickly melt some rider's confidence away. Just quickly, it's gone. You can even see their shoulders drop. Some will just avoid it at all costs, and that limits the ride because they find this one thing so intimidating. Now, I love the challenge and unpredictability of sand. I think it's fun. It's great practice. It's just uh, it's just fun to ride in. But of course, riding a heavy adventure bike means that you got to ride your best ride and you got to plan on putting some, some grunt into it and you're probably going to be picking it up every now and then. Now, I'm no expert sand rider, but luckily enough, I know a rider that is an expert sand rider. As a matter of fact, he's a Dakar podium finisher, a Baja 1000 winner. He's won the International Six Day Enduro four times gold level, and that's Jimmy Lewis. Now, Jimmy lives for desert riding. He loves sand. He dedicates his life to helping others learn to ride at a higher skill level, and including Dakar riders, helping train Dakar riders for next year's uh, Dakar. Today, we're going to do another one of our exclusive rider skill segments, and Jimmy's going to give us his tips on sand riding and some insider talk that should help dispel a myth or two and hopefully change the way you feel the next time you pull up to that long, sandy section. Hopefully, you'll look at it a little differently after hearing what Jimmy has to say today. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Pavey. Brian Phil. Patty Capetto. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Elspeth Fair. Jim Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Before we get started, I want to thank these fine companies that helped get this episode out today. It's wind pressure that powers the Moto Breeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. 
Best Rest product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters, cyclepump.com. It could either be the nightmare ride or it could be the ride of your life. And a lot depends on your skill level. In fact, most times it's your skill level that dictates not only where you go, but how much fun you have when you get there. I've said many times in the show that the one thing that I love about motorcycle riding is that no matter how good you are, there's always something more that you can learn. And that's what's behind Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive rider skills segment, which we're doing today. Rider Skills is an exclusive program we developed here at Adventure Rider Radio designed to give you the tools that can improve your riding skills both on and off-road. Now, of course, these segments are not meant to be a substitute for professional training or courses. These are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, you're doing so at your own risk. One of the most feared surfaces for riders is sand. And although some riders probably hold that fear way too high, that fear level, It does stem from the level of difficulty that sand presents for us. For most of us, sand is not something that we ride a lot. So it's not not just the unfamiliarity of sand, but we have that too. But the sand also presents unique problems to the motorcycle rider. Sand riding is physically and mentally demanding. All that security that you have with solid contact with the ground on on hard pack or on asphalt gives way to a sort of riding on water feeling where balance is tougher, starting is tougher, stopping, everything is tougher in sand. And throw into that a heavy adventure bike and there's no doubt you're going to be putting some serious physical effort into it and mental effort into it as well. Not only in the ride, but also in getting unstuck and then picking up your bike when that's, that's sort of unavoidable when it does go down because things didn't go your way. Now, you have to think about sand far more than when you're on any sort of solid surface because nothing can be taken for granted. You can't even stop where you like or even when you like for that matter, at least not with the, without the worry of getting stuck or not being able to get going again. And although momentum plays a huge role in any dirt riding, sand requires that you understand momentum and you really use it liberally to keep your bike moving. There, there's so many issues with it. Sand changes everything for the motorcyclist. Jimmy, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a little while. Yeah. Yeah, it has been a while. What are you up to right now? You're you're doing some sort of looking at uh, researching a rally or something? Well, I'm 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 actually skiing <laughs> or, or snowboard skiing and snowboarding. I'm on a little uh, vacation, ah. and uh, and my but my uh, kind of evening job lately has been um, getting all the tracks set up for the Rebel Rally, which is an all women's off road navigation rally that takes place in October. And then we're starting to get into rally training with uh, Ricky Brabeck and Andrew Short and a few other guys. Uh, you know, they're starting to really prep for next year's Dakar. Mm, wow. So yeah, you, you got a lot on the go on, on your vacation. So that's good. So the rally setup, what do you do with that? Do you actually just get on your bike and just go explore or do you have an idea of what you're doing already before you go to set the rally up? So with with these guys, they're so good. It's so specific. A lot of times we we choose a location and it's areas we've been to before. And then we just have to go in there and build road books 
that have certain training needs. Um, like most riders would just go out and ride a regular road book, but there's specific things that we identify in the Dakar rally, um, like the way that they'll change the cap heading um, and just the way that they're using some of the notes. Like the big thing now is they're putting, they're trying to slow the riders down um, and they're doing it through the map book as well as with the technology on the, on the, on the bikes and stuff. But you are literally trying to, um, you know, recreate the scenarios that they have in the, in the, in the race. And they do a lot of what we call multiple notes. So they'll put, they'll put what would ordinarily take three notes on a map book into a single note so that the guys have to slow down and, you know, do each one of the steps. But these guys are so good now. What do you think we train <laughs> to do it all at once? <laughs> now, so, is this to, to slow them down? You're saying, is that a, is that a uh, safety thing or, or is it just trying to make it more difficult? Both. It's, it's a, I mean, they want to slow them down for safety. They, but this it's racing. You're, you're, there's, there's, there's no way that these guys are ever going to try to slow down. If you, right. and, and some of the, like last year they did it with tires, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, they limited the amount of tires that the top riders have and, this didn't slow them down. It just made it more dangerous. And it was only the rear tire. And so basically, you, you know, it was basically on the brakes. The bikes became very hard to control as well as a lot of guys were riding with tires that have big slashes and cuts in them that could have come apart at any time. Ooh. And and you you actually saw one of the top guys, Toby Price, just pinned it on a stage with a big slash tire that they literally zip tied back together and he ended up actually doing pretty well, but did that slow him down? No. Right. <laughs> so, and now they're talking about rest restrictor plates and they're talking about limiting top speed, which I think is kind of, well, it eh. sounds all safety or it sounds like they're, they're worried about liability or safety or injury or death. Right. But okay. So if you limit everybody's top speed, all of a sudden being able to go fast, at the top speed for these top guys is not an advantage. So now where it's more technical and areas where you would take your time and be a little more careful, now you're going to go faster there because now oh. you know that it's a place to make up time. So, right. so sometimes, and sometimes these decisions are coming down from the, the from the FIA from way high up and they, they get to the organization and the motorcycle guys just go, well, where did this come from? And at least they talk about it, but you know, if, if it comes to like, like the restrictor plates, which is kind of one of the things they think will limit the top speed, which it will, it's just going to make them take bigger chances at other times. So I, I, I think, you know, racing is racing. They thought getting rid of twin cylinders would make it safer, you know, from back in my day. Yeah. And, and no, it's, you're, you're racing and everybody that's there understands the risk when they sign the entry form and stuff, but it's the, it's the outward perception of when people get injured or hurt that kind of, you know, changes, changes that. Cause it is a dangerous sport. And I mean, I, I, am all about increased safety, you know, the, the air vests that they're wearing now, you know, for safety, they, they're wearing a, uh, a, a inflatable air vest like the road race guys do. That's and mandatory now. Mandatory. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and they actually allowed extra time at the fuel stops now in case you do have a crash where the air vest goes off that they can recharge it, you know, reset it. Ah. So so you know, there, there, there's like I said, it's just it's just evolution and change, and they're just trying their they're trying their best, and some of the stuff's one way and the other way. But we, you know, and just like any at high level, you train towards the rules. Right. So we practice the stuff that they, you know, they tell us they're going to do. 
you're out skiing now, now as you're doing this. Is that how you're staying fit? Is, is that part of your fitness program or is that just a, a vacation? Oh, thing? I, I'd like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. Yesterday I did 70 miles and I got a, a maximum heart rate of 185 uh, <laughs> while skiing, which, which I think is pretty good at my age. Uh, so, um, wait, wait a yeah, is I, that good or is that bad? I mean, you're pushing well, I was it. In, I was in the moguls. I just, I went into, I went into moguls and I used to know how to do this when I was a kid. So it was probably a, a fear <laughs> spike <laughs> as opposed to, you know, just, you know, out carving the groomers. I went in and tried to hit some of this stuff and yeah, <laughs> Well, yeah, do, I don't, I don't, I don't really call it training. <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> what do you do for, for fitness, for, for physical fitness training? I used to run a lot and, and, and then I kind of, I kind of between running and riding, I was injuring myself a little bit. And so I kind of, I've slacked off that. Now it's been mountain bikes and actually, believe it or not, I've been riding the E, you know, electric mountain bike. And, and I get a really good workout on that. I just go three to four times as far as I would. Um, on my standard, my standard pushy, I like to call it. Oh, I was going to say, isn't that kind of counterproductive? You're, you're riding a bike not, for, for physical fitness, then you're going to get an e-bike. And, uh, and no, I, I mash the pedals in the e-bike. And I mean, I don't really, it's, it's funny because mountain bike trails are pretty technical, so you don't really go that fast, but it, I was a horrible mountain bike rider. And just that little bit of assist allows me to ride over things that I, that I couldn't pedal over before. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you go up a, a, a big hill and you're not, you're not so gassed that you can't even talk, you know, so right. some stuff's easier and other stuff. And then, and then cause it's heavier, it's more familiar to me, like in motorcycle terms, the way the bike handles little uh, things like that. Yeah. And does it have a throttle like that you're doing or is it all by how much you're pushing on the pedals? It's, it's all by how much you're pushing on pedals. In the early days, the e-bikes did have throttles and yeah. I rode some of those and, and I thought, eh, this is too motorcycle. Like it was just, it was, it was weird. I have a giant e-bike and it actually has a, a Yamaha motor in it and it, it senses your, your, how much energy you're putting in the pedals and you can choose, choose how much energy it assists you with. And then they have also, they have kind of a, a thinking mode where you can put it in this one setting and it, it kind of, it kind of guesstimates how much you should receive. And it's, it's a, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting technology. I pretty much run it in the lowest setting almost all the time. Wow. Uh, just, you know, just because it allows me to go really far. I can do a three hour mountain bike ride and I can still have the rest of the day. You still um, got energy. If I, if I went on a three hour mountain bike on my normal bike, I have to recover for a day. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Yamaha yeah, motor in that. Yamaha that has a has a, um, a real deep history with electronics. People don't realize that. I think in motorcycle industry, they think Yamaha and they think motorcycles, but um, you think of Yamaha with music and- Music, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and so they have- I a, have a I have a soundboard. My my soundboard I use for my podcast is a Yamaha soundboard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a real steep history in that, deep history, long history in that. And so they've got a lot, a lot of technology in uh, with Yamaha as far as electronics goes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's dig into sand, pun intended. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it, sand. Sand, you, you're the guru of sand. I mean, you, you live in sand, right? I mean, it surrounds yes. you. Yeah, we have we're we're in a desert, so of course it's a kind of a familiar terrain, and and I love riding in sand. I I kind of always have for some reason, and uh, so it, it it and believe me, the very first time I rode an adventure bike in sand, and this was a GS eleven hundred, uh, quite a long time ago, I was terrified. 
and 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 I can under I can understand it, especially you know. It's funny we talk about some other sports like mountain biking and skiing and stuff. The minute I got into it, I tensed up because I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel familiar. And knowing what I know now and what I teach in the motorcycle, the tensing up part is what causes the majority of problems. But trust me, I know what sand feels like for the regular guy. I've I've experienced it before, not lately, <laughs> but. Sometimes. Well, yeah, sand. I mean, most people see sand and that's the, I think the one I hear the most, but people say they hate sand. They're just terrified of sand because of the, the feeling that they get. And it's difficult to get going on. It's, it's, it's difficult to turn and, and maneuver. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of things with it, but it is kind of fun, isn't it? If, if you start, I mean, you know, I, I got a little bit of the hang of sand and I quite enjoy it. I, I think it's fun to play in. It, it is, but not on a, not on a heavy loaded adventure bike for sure. Um, it's, it's always gonna, it should always raise your awareness because it, what it is, what sand really is in the grand scheme of things, is a lack of traction. Mm -hmm. And then it's a, it's a very uneven surface. So if you think about, Hey, I'm comfortable riding down the street and why is this? It's because the street provides very consistent traction and, and generally a very consistent, flat, smooth surface. So you take those two things away and that's all that sand is. And it's really no different than any other loose traction situation like mud or it's in gravel and, the, and like mud and sand are kind of similar. Like gravel is really different because gravel is, is like very, very inconsistent. At least sand has a certain amount of consistency to it just in that, you know, it's, it's, it's malleable. It's going to, it's not going to, it's not going to move away from you all at once for the, for the most part. And the one thing with sand I find in compared to mud, mud always seems to have those hidden ruts and things that are in the mud that throw you off so much. Whereas sand, not so much, at least not that I've found. Uh, you yeah, just tend it, it, a little more predictable. Yeah, it can. And that's, that's, that's why I do like the sand. It is, it is definitely predictable. And so I'll tell you the good things about sand. So everybody's always concerned with their seat height in their motorcycle. Generally, when you're in sand, you sink down a little bit. So you mm. get a lower seat height. Good point. That's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because the sand wraps around the tire and stuff, um, when you stop, uh, the bike will almost balance itself sometimes. So, mm, right. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, you've, you've got to get, you've got to do 80% of the 90% of the work to get it pretty balanced. And then the sand will actually hold your bike up for you. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and then the, the other thing is it's kind of softer than landing in rocks if you do tip <laughs> over and it doesn't do as much, doesn't do as much damage to the motorcycle. So sand has some very important good factors that people don't really look at. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I, I think I have a lot more experience with that than you. I mean, the picking up my bike uh, <laughs> in, in the sand, but the sand's much more forgiving when I drop in the sand. It's, it's not even a concern. I don't worry about it. Yeah. So, so some of the intricacies of the sand is, is when you, you tip over, a lot of people think it's soft, but it can actually catch you because you actually, you know, you dig in and it can stop you. So um, sometimes when, you know, falling over, you land on your shoulder or your head, uh, it can be it can be pretty bad. Oh yeah, right. If you've got any speed with you, yeah. Okay, that makes you sense. don't you don't slide. You stick. Right. <laughs> well, um, with sand, is there like an overall like sort of secret or mindset that you have to have um, when you're approaching? I, I know we're going to get into all the technical things of, of starting up and and turning etc. But before we do that, is there some sort of secret? I mean, is there something you tell people right off the bat when you're teaching them about sand that say, "Hey, keep this in mind." The uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. 
nothing is worse than cold feet because when your feet get cold, they're almost impossible to warm up against. Same goes for your hands. You've probably done it before. You've stopped because your feet are freezing. You take off your boots, you rub your feet, then you put your boots back on and almost immediately your feet are cold again. Well, that's because you forgot that Pearly's Possum Socks are the best cold weather socks money can buy for us motorcyclists. I love my Pearlies. In fact, I look forward to wearing them in cold weather, not just because they keep my feet warm, but because they feel amazing on my feet. It's like super soft and plush. And by the way, Pearlies Possum Socks are made with a blend of merino wool and possum fur that together... Well, it's what dreams are made of. And they're the type of material they wick away moisture and they don't stink. Everything you want for a sock for a motorcyclist. In fact, I even wear them in the summertime. They go great in my boots because I'm wearing the, the tall boots. So they're, they're fantastic for that. Check out Cold Weather Socks by Pearlies. They are the official sock of Adventure Rider Radio. Pearliespossumsocks.com is a website. Anytime you deal with them, throw in there that you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com RoadDogPub.com That's the website that's going to lead you to some great motorcycle books like Graham Fields, In Search of Greener Grass, Eureka, and Different Natures. Ron Davis has Shiny Side Up. Zoe Cano's Hellbent for Paradise and other books. And she's got her latest book out is called Mini Escapades Around the British Isles. That's got some motorcycle and scooter adventures in it. Road Dog Publications specializes in motorcycle adventure books. Treat yourself to an adventure, sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and read a great adventure. Visit their website at roaddogpub.com and make sure you mention in there that you heard them at Adventure Rider Radio. Roaddogpub.com. You know, when your bike was made at the manufacturer level, it wasn't made for you in particular. It was made for the masses. And anytime you make things for the masses, you have to make compromises. Compromises in the cost of the parts that you're putting on and what those parts are designed to do. If you want to ride your bike like an adventure bike, a real adventure bike, there's some key components that if you change them, they're going to enhance your ability to control your machine and make it do the things that, well, probably at the factory they don't expect most people to do. And one of those is your foot pegs. IMS Products makes their foot pegs designed specifically for adventure riding. They use a cast 17-4 stainless steel. They heat treat it. And aside from being incredibly tough, they're beautifully designed for adventure bikes and your style of riding to keep your feet planted and allow you that extra leverage to control your bike at the times that you really need to do it. You want a product like this to work so that you forget that it's there. And that's what the IMS Products foot pegs do. I have them on my bike as well. Check out what they've got. IMSproducts.com is the website. And anytime you're dealing with them, email otherwise, throw in there, you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. Is there some sort of secret? I mean, is there something you tell people right off the bat when you're teaching them about sand that say, hey, keep this in mind? The... the Yes, it, it's that nothing changes when you go in the sand. If you're riding proper every place else, nothing that you do changes when you be, enter the sand because you want to you want to remain balanced and you know and loose on the bike. And you know, so you hear people say, "Oh, you need to get over the back. You need to lighten up the front and all that stuff." It's like none of that stuff. That means get out of balance and get out of control. And you don't want to do any of that. So there's not. The secret is really to try to stay relaxed and then understand, and this is a hard thing, understand where 
the proper speed is. Well, like what's the ideal speed? Because for sure going slow, really slow in sand is more difficult than going what we'll call the ideal speed. It depends on your bike and your ability and a lot of other stuff. But if you don't know what the ideal speed is, you don't know what too fast is. And that's where the problems start occurring. So how do you know? How, how do you feel for that ideal speed? You, you do hear this a lot. I mean, th- this is the common thing. Everybody says, you know, get on the throttle in sand, accelerate. Well, you can't keep accelerating forever. So how, how, do, you, right. how do you know what the perfect speed so, is? So here's what we teach. You, you, you learn the perfect speed by be, getting comfortable going slow because it's more difficult. Getting comfortable going slow and then you're comfortable and then you go, okay, now I can go a little bit faster. Not just go faster, go a little bit faster. And then you're comfortable and a little bit faster and you're comfortable and a little bit faster. And then you, you go a little bit faster and you become uncomfortable again because the same things that were happening at the slower speed start happening at the faster speed, the same sensation. So at this point, you can identify, ooh, that's too fast. This isn't going to get any better by going faster. I need to you know, make sure that I'm doing all the things at the slower speed. And as you get more comfortable, your speed will increase. But if you go right past, quote, that ideal speed because somebody told you to go faster or get over the back or do any of this stuff, gas it, um, you will end up never feeling comfortable in sand and never learning. Mm, that makes perfect sense. So, so what you're doing, you're starting out slow and you're, you're obviously having to work with your balance and control of the bike. And then once you've got that done, then you start to speed up and find the easy point. So you just, you're riding in the easy zone. Exactly. More yeah, easier. That's... that's Exactly it. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So where do we start? Do we start, I guess, with the pull away, right? Well, yeah, you start by just, you know, getting going. And and most sand is, you know, just by the nature of the way, you know, sand works is level. You, you know, it's, it's, it's really rare you get in much steep up or down unless you're quote in sand dunes. Sand pretty much likes to sort of level itself out. And generally it's on, you know, it's in sand washes or on, you know, on two track roads that just gradually become sandy. Most of the time, sand actually has a base to it. In other words, if you start digging down with your foot, you're going to go down three, four inches and you're going to hit something that's harder. You know, it just basically the sand would just spread out over this harder surface and then it did what it naturally does. It levels out when either water or wind comes across it. So everybody sees sand and they're like, oh, and you realize it's only three, four, maybe five inches deep or something most of the time. And five would be a lot. Well, you're not going to get stuck in five inches. It's just, unless you just start spinning like crazy and dig right through the sand and into the dirt. And if you were spinning your tire on regular dirt, just like you are on the sand or the sand gives you the ability to spin it and you keep going in the dirt, of course, you're not going to get any traction. Mm -hmm. And when we watch riders go to take off, they just they, they think they've got to go and spin and they're, they're trying to go from zero to whatever the ideal speed is. Like maybe it's seven, maybe it's 12, maybe it's 20 miles an hour. They want to go that speed instantly. And it's all because they're out of balance because they feel like they're going to tip over until they achieve the, the speed and momentum that's going to mask the balance that they don't have. This is what we talk about in our school all the time. Everything centers around being balanced. I love so, that about the way you teach because everything, once you learn that, everything you say always seems to go back to that. And it makes it, sense. It, it, it is. And so if you can, if you, so what we teach in sand is if you can just go one foot or two feet, you're not going to tip over. 
you know, so you just, you just learn to get going. And if you learn that you don't even have to spin, I do this demonstration on my, on my bike where I actually bury it almost to the skid plate. If I go to the skid plate, it's, it's over, but I bear almost the skid plate. And I don't know if you ever seen those Toyota trucks that have that button you push and it gets itself unstuck. No, it, it, there's a button they push and it's like, it's called crawl or somewhere that just wiggles the tires. And it actually takes the dirt from in front of the tire and pushes it under the tire and it lifts the truck back out. I do the same thing with my motorcycle. It takes a ton of throttle and clutch feel to not spin it, but you can get it buried and it requires some body movement, you know, some rocking of the bike, you know, helping it go forward. You can't just be planted with your extra weight on the seat and expect it to dig out. But if you take your weight and you kind of start rocking the bike and you use the tire, you can actually take the, the dirt from the front of the tire, the sand from the front of the tire and push it underneath the tire and literally lift the bike out of the sand. Hmm. And 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 it, it takes patience and it takes a lot of throttle and clutch, but because because everybody just wants to gas it and go, but you're just gonna dig the hole. And I always say if you're going down faster than you're going forward, you need to stop. You're doing something wrong. You're you're only gonna keep going down and eventually skid plate and and then wheel has no traction. And and so and we, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of little techniques that go, you know, to it, you know, using your weight and inertia to kind of help the bike getting, get going. But once you learn that if you just very gingerly use the maybe half of a horsepower it takes to move that bike forward without digging a hole, as opposed to trying to do it with 17 to 40 horsepower, or in some cases, a hundred horsepower, <laughs> you know, just, you just, you just need to get it rolling. It's that initial roll away that determines what's going to happen in the next five feet and then the rest of your ride, however long you want it to be. So we start by just getting people comfortable moving and, and then before they tip over, because usually they forget to do something like pick up their foot that knocks them out of bounds. They, they, they're, they're so tense on the bars that when the bike starts leaning one way, they get knocked out of balance. Then everybody's out of balance and they fall over. So, but most people will not fall over going one, two, three feet at a time. So we learn them this, and then we work on the next steps. So pulling away is not dumping the clutch. It's enough power to get yourself moving, and that's it. That's what you're saying. Most of the time. <laughs> so here's where it's always different. There's sometimes when 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 I you know I'm in in kind of deep sand, and this would be sand that could be we'll call it more bottomless type of sand, where you're just not you know you're not going to you can do that technique, but it's, it's, you're going to, you're going to dig. And we always have to go back to, you have to have a good tire, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but there's sometimes when I literally click the bike in a second gear, you know, I feel it start to dig down and stuff. I stop and I go, okay, this wheel speed and you generally it's in first gear and I'm, I'm giving it too much power. I notice it going down. Well, there's a time when I click it into second gear and then I gas it and dump the clutch. But the reason for this is I want a higher wheel speed at a lower power level, which allows the bike to grab more traction. So the initial spin and burst, yeah, but where you get traction in sand is when you back off the throttle. That's when the tire, and this is all the time in the sand, the tire, when you finally back quit, you know, quit having it spin and allow it to start grabbing traction, that's what it does. It grabs traction. 
you mentioned tire. I, I guess we probably should have talked about that right, <laughs> off, right off the right off the bat. And I think I, I remember you mentioning one time to me about the um, you like the Kenda Big Block. I think big even over the TKC eighty uh, in they're, the sand. Correct. They're well. They're exactly the same. Once you're in the sand, a lot of the the stuff the the tire brands don't make a whole lot of difference. It's the shape of the tire that'll make all the difference. And we're talking about the knobby, um, the knobbies on it. And, and believe it or not, the most important uh, part of the tire when you're actually in the sand is the sides. So not the center strip. It's when you start going around the sides, the more open the block you can have on the sides, the better, because that's, what's going to mostly save you when stuff starts going wrong. Because all of a sudden, when you start tipping a little bit, when you need that tire to really grip, you're off the center and it can be, I, I ride tires that are literally worn out. So they're almost smooth in the middle, but I can ride them in the sand just fine because when the bike starts leaning over to the side, when I need that, that, that knob to dig in and grab, there's still good knobbies on the side of the tire. Hmm. And so, so when we start talking about more round profile tires, they'll work great. If you're going perfectly straight, nice and flat, you know, and good, they'll, they'll do okay but it's when they start tipping over, there's nothing to, to kind of get you that little burst of power that's going to help, you know, catch your balance when you need it. And the other thing that I think is a, is a pretty big myth is airing down. Um, as far as, as far as from, from the normal pressure, I run all the time off road, which I run 27 PSI on road and off because I'm generally pretty mixed between the two, mostly off road. But, um, anything, when you start going down to these, you know, low tire pressures and stuff, yeah, there's a point where a very low tire pressure will help, but it's, it's not going to take much to knock that tire off the bead at that pressure. And I'm talking like, you know, two and three PSI, because when you're down at like eight PSI, all that makes the, all it makes the bike do is wobble more and, you know, wobble on the tires, but it doesn't seem to get me any better traction. I've tested this. I've tried all the different tire pressures and and on the motorcycle, on a car, it makes all the difference in the world. But on a motorcycle, it's it's insignificant, I would say. Yeah, I was going to mention that. On a vehicle, on a four-wheel drive vehicle, it'll make a huge difference. Um, but so yeah, I just want to go back to that. So you're saying knobby tires are king, and um, I guess anything less doesn't really have a place in the sand? Correct. Okay. Correct, yeah. Even some of the, even like some of the, you know, the 50-50 tires and stuff, though, it depends on how big the block is open on the side of the, on the side and, and kind of more on the edge of the tire. And if you run your handle on it long, it, it feels smooth. You know, you don't feel anything grab your fingers. Mm -hmm. eh, it's probably not going to do much for you in the sand. And 27 PSI, that, that's for your rear tire you're running. Front, front and rear. Front and yeah, rear. Yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's what I run all the time. Regardless of the tire too. Um, I, there's like a two to three PSI difference for me. And, you know, as long as we're talking about a full size, like, you know, thousand cc sized adventure bikes. Um, that's that's my go to tire pressure, and it it has been for a long time. It surprises me you're, you're saying about not airing down for the sand because that is such a common thing you hear with motorcycles. People tell you, big adventure bike, air it down for the sand. Well, if you're if you're like thirty five, um, you know, where which is like a normal normal pressure, mm -hmm. um, going down to twenty seven is not going to help your traction at all in the sand, but it will help with the bump compliance. You know, it's, and that's, that's, that's the reason I go down is to get the, get the tire to be part of the suspension. But it, until, like I said, until I was down to like literally three, you know, four or three PSI, 
is, did I feel a benefit in, in how much traction I was able to get? But the bike was so wallowy on the tire. And if it, if it just caught a rut or something or hit a rock, it wasn't, wasn't going to be good. So, uh, and I don't really feel like airing down every time I come to sand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And, and that's got to make people feel better too. I mean, if anyone wants to try that yeah, tire pressure. I, I can see, I can see, you know, coming, if you come from a tire, you know, car world and four wheel drive, it, it definitely does work. And so, yeah. um, I can see where that could be a misconception and just because that's the way it is there, it has to work here. And I'm here to tell you that in my world, it absolutely doesn't. And you find 27 is enough that, uh, to protect your rims um, and, and survive on the road, yet soft enough, like you said, for bump compliance off-road. Yeah, it gives you bump compliance off-road, but it doesn't wallow on-road that much. And it's, it's a compromise like anything. Yeah. It, 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 it's in anything lower. Yeah, you can get a little bit better bump compliance, but then your wallow on-road goes up enough to where it's not acceptable. So, and, and, it, and everybody's a little bit different. Like I know some guys that like 32 and some guys that like 29 and some guys will go down to like 24. I ride the 24 and I'm like, I'm like, how do you ride this on the road? And then I realize it's like, you don't, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 at least you don't feel very confident. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've often put mine down to 24. That's, that's exactly my pressure that I find. And there's a huge difference from full pressure to air down 24, 27. Um, because, uh, I find you, you ride a, like a hard packed, um, road with a lot of rock in it. When it's at road pressure, it feels to me like it's bouncing off of the rocks. And, it and, does. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't feel like I have the control that I do when I air down. It, you're, you're absolutely right. Your, your, your tires are bouncing and they're in the air as opposed to, you know, absorbing rolling over that thing. And, and that's, that's the other thing is when you start going down to like around 24 and stuff, then you're, for me, you're getting into an area where you, the potential to, to, you know, pinch the, pinch the tire, pinch the tube, dent the rim kind of goes up to a, a, a level that's a little bit. And, and for me, it's mostly more about, it's more about how it, how it handles on road at that pressure. I, you know, when I go into turns, I feel the, the bikes, especially when it's loaded, it really starts to wallow around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got the we got the pull away. We realized that in most cases. And by the way, the, the description you gave about the sand I, I thought was brilliant. The the few inches on top of the hard pack sand because I recognize it when you said it. I've just never really thought about it before when I've looked at it. But that makes perfect sense. You've got that yeah. soft sand on top, and then it's it's compact and often damp underneath, which which is a different consistency altogether. Correct. Yeah, that that's true too. And then and then when you look at you know you look at the the the, the sandy roads. You know they have the tracks built into them, and when you go when you see the tracks go in there and then they just go everywhere. Um, if they're car tracks, it's, it's who knows why, <laughs> but, but when, you know, it's cause it's soft mm-hmm. and, and they come in and, and, and probably the same reason that the motorcycle tracks, when you come to the sand, go everywhere, the, the, the driver isn't, isn't actually steering straight when they hit it and the car wanders. Um, but the, the same thing with the motorcycle rider, when you come into the sand and you know, you're, you're trying to stay in the track, but all of a sudden you get to something soft well, whatever direction you're out of balance to, that's the direction the bike's going to go. In a sense, essentially, you've started initiating a turn. And in the sand, since it's it's not as, st- as sticky as, you know, the other dirt or whatever, you go there quicker and it reacts, the bike reacts quicker because, you know, the sand allows this. And then that's why the bike starts wobbling. So if you're really balanced, you'll actually go very straight, even in what we call tracked out sand. But most riders get in there, they tense up, they're a little bit out of balance, the bike goes one way, they go with it, and now we've begun to wobble and it depends on how loose you can get to re 
gain control of the motorcycle. You've mentioned a couple of times about tensing up or, or being stiff and being comfortable, etc. And I know this this has a huge effect on our riding. We, we've heard this many times with rider skills. You've talked about it different times on this show. That's, that plays a big part in how well you do in the sand, doesn't it? it, it, it everywhere, but yes, yeah, sand especially. The sand, the sand really shows you... Um, it shows you what you're doing, but usually it scares you at the same time. And then you forget that you're like, oh, it's just sand. It's like, no, the sand is an impartial participant in this. Uh, it's just, you know, we have people, we spend a whole day out in a dry lake bed and people think they've mastered it. And we go over to the sand and we go, okay, now we're going to do, you know, some very similar drill, a start stop drill that we do on the dry lake bed that nobody has a problem with. All of a sudden in sand, it's like a problem or just riding in a straight line through some rutted out sand it's it becomes it becomes a problem because the sand shows you that yeah that little that little bit out of balance is it's it it comes into play how do you get around that how do you how do you get your head around that i mean i mean some of it may be and i'm just going to throw this out here because of what you just said even makes me think differently about the sand the way you described the, the sand and the, and the layer of the sand but how do you get your head around that how do you sort of get over the fact that um it's just sand and and you're going to be okay you like like we said, start out slowly and 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 get comfortable. So you have to find a place that you're able to go practice this. But if you think about it, most people when they when they're on a good traction surface, they just take off and they they get going a certain speed, and they'll able they're able to ride ten miles an hour no problem, fifteen miles an hour no problem, seventy miles an hour no problem on level smooth stuff. But in sand, you can't go the ten or the five, you know, whatever the speed it is that that's going to mask your your balance or to, to stop you in the sand, you can't go that quote, we'll call it the happy speed. That's going to make everything right. And, but you want to, and you know that it's there. And this is what we talk about moving up to. So you've got to, you've got to work up to it. And, and how do you practice this? You go to someplace that isn't sand and you practice riding slower and you realize how difficult it is to ride very, very slow and, and, and then start focusing on the balance because you're, you're out of balance, this problem that we talk about, you're carrying it with you everywhere. And until you fix it, you can't, you know, you can't do other things while you're out of balance. And it, it, whether you're trying to turn the motorcycle or you're trying to brake, do braking with the motorcycle, if you're out of balance, none of these things will work like they're supposed to. So it's, it's having the balance sort of mastered and then carrying it into the sand. So we've got the pull away. We've, we've pulled away and we're doing, as you said, just fast enough to keep us going. Where do we go from here? You want to make sure that, you're, that you're, um, your body position is very, you know, neutral and loose on the bike. And this is, so this is the, this is the thing that'll kind of tie it all together is that, is that in, in for sure standing up is better in the sand and, and I always, and we, 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 we've just really started to modify the way that we're teaching the sand. We tell riders, look, don't worry about standing up because <laughs> what you're doing in the sand is not really standing up. Even if you think you're standing up because your butt's off the seat, you're in a squat position where you're still hanging onto the handlebars. Oh, when you say don't so, worry about standing up, you, you mean like, um, don't go be ahead panicked about stand up. Right. You get comfortable on the bike, even sitting down, because if you're trying to throw this quote, stand up position in there and you're not really standing up, it, it's, it's just way easier to, to just go ahead and, 
to sit, to concentrate on being balanced and relaxed on the bike while you're sitting down, as opposed to adding this extra ingredient of standing up. Okay. I will tell you right now that I cannot ride my adventure bike through the sand, very comfortable at all, sitting down. I can't do it because I don't have, I, I'm giving away probably 75% of the control by sitting down. And I, I just won't do it because I know how quickly things can go wrong. If something starts going wrong, I, there's no way I'm going to give away 75% of my control. So I don't do it. I, I can force myself to sit down, but I'm not very comfortable. Because you're <laughs> so, giving up your ability to, to balance. To, to use my weight, you know, to influence the, 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 the traction and the, and the control of the bike. Right. So the way, the way you're, you're, you know, while I'm riding this motorcycle, I want to be pretty much disconnected from it all the time. And when it starts going one way or the other, I can say, okay, this is the way we want to go and I can go with it. Or I can say, nope, that's the wrong way. And I can use my weight to influence generally through the foot pegs because the foot pegs actually steer the motorcycle, not the handlebars. So, but in the sand, the bars are going to get kind of turned and taken a little bit just from the, the natural ruts or, you know, where, where, where the soft spots are, it's going to turn the bars a little bit. And sometimes you know, you feel it start going and all you have to do is, is weight the foot peg the other way just a little bit. And it, you know, if you feel it in the bars, you weight the foot peg away from it and it'll straighten the bike out. Or sometimes it pulls pretty hard and you go, oh, we're not going to be able to fight this one that way. So you might have to push on the bars a little bit. But if it's not, you know, uh, backed up with some weight in the foot pegs, um, that's going to be a problem. But if you're sitting down you would, you would do the same weighting, but you're doing it with your hips and, and you're not having to worry when you're sitting down, you're not having to worry about your, your balance kind of forward and aft getting, getting thrown off the motorcycle. I was going to say, it's not, a, it shouldn't be a foreign concept for us to understand about standing up anyway, because you're using your body to balance other than, like you said, small inputs to the bars, you're using your body to balance all the time, aren't you? With your, you mentioned your hips and I imagine your shoulders, your elbows. Right. Yeah. And, and, and if you're truly standing up, you could let go of the handlebars. And we find this with so many riders that they, that they think they're standing up and I'm like, okay, well then let go of the handlebars. They can't because they'll fall off the back of the motorcycle. Mm. And then, and then they go into this over exaggerated kind of like thing where they, they, they stand up and they, 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 they push their pelvis forward. I don't understand it generally because the handlebars are too high, but their pelvis starts getting forward and they, then they think they can let go, but still they're going to fall. They're going to fall over. So if, if you're, if you're standing up and you can't, literally feel as if you can let go of the handlebars, you're not really standing up. You're, you're doing something wrong. You think about it when you're walking around all day long, you know, you don't have a walker with you and you aren't holding onto guardrails, but the minute you get on your motorcycle, you grab that handlebar, like it's the last thing in the world and you're falling off a cliff. (laughs) So, so, so again, problems that occur all day long, all the other, all the other times, just get amplified in the sand. The sand isn't really that difficult if you have the basics, you know, mastered. Okay, we're we've got ourselves going. We're we're riding in a straight line. We're we're comfortable enough that we're keeping ourselves up. And now we have to turn. What do we have to do with that? You do it exactly the same as you would on a normal ground. So the way we teach turns, we break turns into into two separate kind of categories. We call it we have one we call initiating the turn. That's, that's where you get the bike, um, you know, leaned or pointed in the direction you want it to go. And then, then from that point, you control the turn until you're done 
with the turn. That's our, you know, our way of teaching this a little bit different than most, I believe. But in reality, it's so rare that you get to quote control a turn in a low traction situation in the dirt, in the sand. Most of the time you're just, you know, you're just working on this kind of initiation, reinitiation, you know, so you're, you're sort of steering it with your weight, you know, you're, and, and, and here's the thing with the sand is that, is that you start, you know, you literally start turning and the, the, the traction is, is, um, so bad that, you know, the front end, it, it might, it might be pushing or it might actually knife in and really grab. So it's, it's very inconsistent. And, and then when, and you think about when, when you're in a turn and the bike starts leaning, a lot of times the, the, the power that you're putting to the rear wheel is what's holding the bike up. Cause if you were just to stop, the bike would fall over. Mm-hmm. But in sand, there's not that much traction. So if the bike starts falling over, you don't have the the power on that rear wheel, the traction on that rear wheel to pick it back up. So you, you have to be very careful with like the lean angle you go to, into, you know, how much momentum you have, um, the speed. But if you're just initiating the turn, you would, you would literally, you're never really going to let the bike, you're, you're, you're getting it to turn by initiating it, but you're never going to let it lean in to the point where it's going to fall over where you can't pick it back up without using sort of, more of the, you know, the, the pressure on the foot pegs to, to, to steer it. Right. I, I see what you're saying. You, you mentioned about not being able to pick up your speed like that. I'd forgot about that with, with sand. Everything you do is sort of delayed, isn't it? You give it throttle and it takes a bit to gain that speed. So when you're in the corner, you can't just crack the throttle to stand the bike up again. So what you're saying is we have to be a lot more balanced in our, in our turn, right. a lot more precise. Yeah. Unless you're going really fast. Yeah, well, that's a difference. If you're going really fast, you don't need to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, going to get yeah, the hang yeah. of it. Well, it's it, 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 it's and really and really fast is is you know is is uh, person sensitive. You know, it depends on what really fast is. But you know, you in on and a lot of times you can't really turn an adventure bike in the sand. You know, it's not like a normal dirt bike where you can just like you know put your foot down and kind of spin the bike around on it. There's there's times that I'm going in the in the in the sand on the adventure bike and I want to go someplace and. And you just go, nope, uh, we're going to go straight. So it's almost like, but the, the same techniques apply is that you have to slow down in order to initiate the turn. You know, you can't, and, that, and that's another thing where, you know, people just say, go over the back and gas it. Like, well, how do I turn? You think about turning on, on level ground. Do you just hold the throttle steady or try to accelerate and turn? No, you always decelerate. Mm-hmm. And people forget this and they're in the sand. They're like, well, I can't, I can't let go of the gas because if I, I'm going to sink or I'm going to tip over and then, well, how are you going to turn? You're not going to, you still have to do all the things you have to, in order, you know, you have to decelerate and then you have to initiate the turn. And usually that's enough. To, I'm, and I like to do a very decelerate quick initiation, get it pointed where I want to go and then go again. I don't really, you know, kind of control the turn. And a lot of times, you know, if it, if it is just a natural turn in the road, it's just a, a small de- deceleration will let the bike fall into the turn and then you can just kind of continue on your way. If you were coming to a 90, say a roughly 90 degree turn or something similar to that, do you accelerate out of it? Like do you spin it out of the corner? Um, in sand, you're probably always spinning. But I mean, I would do exactly, you know, I'd slow down enough to where I can make the turn, uh, you know, initiate the turn and in depending on, you know, how much traction there is, what it's going to do, you, you know, you, you, you initiate it and hopefully the bike gets pointed where you want to go. And then, and then it's back, you know, it's, 
each individual step. It's, you know, deceleration, initiate the turn, control it, and then accelerate again. So in, in the controlling part of the turn is, is at a constant speed. It has to be. Because if you accelerate, you're going to stand the bike up. And if you decelerate, it's going to fall in. So how does the gyroscopic effect of the rear wheel spinning affect you in sand? Does it ever get going fast enough to have that much of a, an influence? I would, I would hope that, that we would never have to consider this. <laughs> that's, out <of> my, <laughs> that's out of my ability to comprehend. I mean, I kind of understand the, I, I can feel the, the spinning of the motor more than I feel the spinning of the, of the rear tire. But that, that is actually a very interesting question. And it's funny because now that you've mentioned it, I'm going to go out and play around and see if I can notice a difference. Yeah, we'll um, have to talk it, about that next time. It, because because the way I think about it is I can feel the motor because a lot of times, you know, having a higher RPM in the motor will add some stability to the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. But um, I like to run a low RPM because I want to be able to influence the motorcycle. I want it to, I want it to be kind of more in can, you know, I want to have the ability to, to, to steer it myself as opposed to it want to just continuing uh, where it's going. So I, I prefer to ride a gear high in the sand. And, and let the motor chug because I get better traction. And the wheel will always spin up. I can always get it to spin up. That's not a problem. It's interesting with top-level riders like yourself, when you see them riding and realize just how you're not revving the engine up all the time. <laughs> Whereas I think you can see anyone who's not used to riding or is amateur at it, and we've all been amateurs, you have to be an amateur before you become anything else. But um, it tends to be rev high, you know, and, and dump the clutch. There's a lot of that. But as so, you, you find more experience, the, the revving isn't there. Yeah. So a couple of things that's it's really important in the sand that you have to understand is number one is, is you hear about people burning their clutch up in the sand. This always just blows my mind. It's like your tire's already spinning. How do you smoke your clutch at the same time? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the clutch in the sand becomes an on-off switch. And the way that we teach the clutch in general is the clutch is a power amplifier, never a power reducer. It's only very advanced, advanced riders that will use the clutch to reduce the power properly. Like you would do it when you're putting the sand underneath your tire. I'm, I'm getting unstuck. Uh, I'm okay. The only exception to this rule is when you're going, when you want to go slower than the gear you're in, you're allowed to slip the clutch. I see. So, so, so in other words, I'm going slower than first gear. First gear is seven, eight miles an hour. If I let the clutch out, mm-hmm. well, I'm going zero. So of course I have to slip the clutch or the bike would stall, but I'm, it's at such a low power level that it's not hurting the clutch at all. It's not going to, it's not going to fatigue it. But when you are in third gear, let's say I'm talking about riding that gear high. A lot of times I have to slow down and I, and I'm going slower than what third gear, like the bike would actually stall. So at that point, I might slip the clutch a little while, you know, until I'm ready to go again. Hmm. But but when I, you know, when I let it out, I'm, I'm trusting the torque of the motorcycle to build the power. I don't really have to amplify the power for that much or that long to get it back, quote, online. Right. So 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 the clutch, it's, it's an on-off switch. So a lot of times once you, when you do decide to go, and I do this demonstration where I, after I've got my bike sort of unstuck and it's kind of up on top of the sand and everything, I will stand off the side of the bike. I stand on the throttle side of the bike and I literally take the bike and I just go bloop and I drop the clutch. You know, I, I give it a little gas and I drop the clutch. I drop the clutch and I walk along the side of the bike in deep, deep sand holding only the throttle and I'm controlling the bike only 
just using only the throttle on off on off on off and usually it goes very slow the wheel's going seven eight nine miles an hour that's what it does 10 12 but i'm walking next to it going like one or two and and the other thing like i talked about the bike actually kind of accelerates when i back off the throttle i kind of spin it back on and off and on and off and and when i chop the throttle when i back it down that's when the bike actually kind of goes and so this is part of that you know you know understanding the traction you know and when i'm off the motorcycle it's it's actually nice and balanced <laughs> you know it, it doesn't really want to fall over so i'm using one hand to ride through the sand and people are like Oh wow! Uh, it changes their mind mindset when they see this. Hey, you've mentioned about letting off the throttle and and actually gaining traction. The bike comes, sort of comes up out of the sand. Do you do that as a method for sort of getting yourself back on top? Sometimes, if you're digging too deep. Uh yes, okay. yeah, for sure. And and I and I'm I'm you know how you talked about the novice riders kind of revving a lot and yeah. the, the higher level riders at a lower RPM. That's kind of what they're doing. You know you, you the you want traction and you imagine if you, you know, you know, just like when you're in ice and snow and you're just, you know, your people just spinning it, spinning it, spinning it. And it's, it's the, they actually get traction when they back off the throttle or, or maybe when they're really delicate with it, when they come on it, they don't spin. And that's what you want to do. You want to try not to not spin and backing the throttle into traction is the technique there. What about stopping? Is there any, anything that we need to know about stopping in sand? It's excellent for stopping. It's you get you get really good braking power in the sand, especially on the front where all your braking occurs, um, because the the sand naturally like kind of cups the cups the tire and and it drags the you know it's there's a big drag on it. Um, so you have to be careful because the brakes work exceptionally well in the sand. So it's it's just uh, just kind of understanding that. <laughs> but there's no there's no there's no special technique. Um, you, you know you you just have to. This is the same technique you would use um, any other time. Uh, just being aware of the traction and making sure you're balanced and going in a straight line. You you know you can't really stop a motorcycle very well with low traction while you're not in a straight line. Now you did mention dunes, and you were saying about most times sand is flat, um, but we do have dunes sometimes, and there are hills sometimes. What yep. what techniques do we need to understand for that? I, I have a couple rules <laughs> that I uh, have on an adventure bike. And these are, in a lot of the, the, I put these rules out there. They're very idealized. It's just the way that you need to think about them so you don't kind of get confused and you can sort of have a proper technique when, when, you're, when you're building up to it. But if you're in sand and you're on an adventure bike and it's not level or downhill, you probably shouldn't stop. You can't stop because you're not going to be able to get going again. Like we talked about traction. Mm -hmm. You, if, if it's starting to be uphill, you just don't have the traction to get the bike moving. Now, is that just with an adventure bike you're talking about? Or is that with any, any bike? Yeah. It, it, it's, is for me, predominantly it's an adventure bike, a small dual sport bike. You can do some pretty crazy stuff with them. But when you start playing with the heavy adventure bikes, mm -hmm. they just, it's just, you only have so much tire. And, and, and there's a lot of weight there and it's just a factor of the, the, the physics, I guess. Okay. But, you know, and, and so I always say if it's, if it's level or downhill, you can stop, but if it's uphill, you'd better make it to the point where you're now level or downhill. So, you know, you, you have to be able to look at it and you go, well, can I ride up that? And if you can't, then you, <laughs> you can't go halfway up and stop because you're, 
it's not going to go good. So it's just the way you have to look at it. It's the same with, you know, a lot of hills, you know, it's, it's all traction dependent. So, so you have to like be able to look at the train and say, Hey, can I safely ride through here? Am I going to be able to carry the speed and momentum to, to go through this? And, and then when you get into like, you know, classic Sandians, there's, there's places where you can't see and, and there's, there's places that are ridiculously soft that like literally you just ride into it and it'll sink down to your skid plate and throw you over the handlebars for no apparent reason. And the guy who tells you that, that they, oh, I can read the sand dunes. I always say, okay, you can go first. <laughs> and then I, you I, can read them too. <laughs> I, I ride in the sand dunes all the time and I ride with a very uh, high level of caution because I know that, you know, the wind could have blown a different way than we're used to and everything changes very quickly. You know, when I'm thinking about sand here, I'm aside from the dunes, when I'm just thinking of flat sand that we've been talking about, it strikes me that you can't really get in over your head aside from speed. Because, you know, if you get into mud or you get into technical rock or something, you can get into a spot that you may not be able to get out of. But sand seems to me more forgiving that way. Am I right? If you if you respect the amount of traction that you have, yes. I mean, like like I said, most of the time there's a bottom to it, uh, you know, until you're in like really you know sand dunes and mm-hmm. you know where it's where it's just sand upon sand upon sand. But even there, you know, if you see tracks going through there, obviously someone can ride through it or someone can get a vehicle through it. Um, you know, and there, there's there's rarely been times that that um, that I haven't been able to get a loaded adventure bike, you know. Um, through sand dunes that I would call a normal human would uh, want to accomplish. I mean, I've tried to do worse sand dunes. Um, In fact, there there was some sand dunes out by Winnemucca, Nevada that I had a trailer. I was towing, I was riding my KTM 1090 and I was towing a trailer. And and I said, I'm going to go ride in the sand dunes with this. And that was a mistake. But I I was amazed at where I was able to go with it because... Uh, you know, that, that, that was a lot of extra drag on the bike and really affected, you know, what the tire was capable of doing. You, you mean the 1090s pulling the trailer, right? That's what you're talking yeah, about. 1090s yeah, 1090s pulling it. Yeah, pulling the trailer. Yeah, it's the... Uh, single uh, wheel or double wheel trailer? Sing, single wheel trailer. Oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, but, you know, and, and, and so I, I tried to ride through, I just, you know, and it was, it was me practicing. I, and I'm like going, what if I really came across some bad sand? What can I do? Cause the sand dunes are going to provide me the worst sand I could possibly ever want to go in. But I'm, so I went and I kind of skirted the edge. Okay. That's easy. And okay. Now I'm going to do like a, a small crossing. So I went and did a small dune crossing, but I realized I had to have a certain amount of speed in the sand to, to be able to kind of continue with the trailer. In other words, I had to have a certain amount of speed to plateau and then as I started doing stuff that required more speed, I realized I'm getting out of my comfort zone, my, uh, you know, where this is safe, especially because the trailer acts kind of like a trailer does in a car where it wants to straighten <laughs> the motorcycle out. So if you start turning, it starts steering it for you. Right. And I'm like, okay. I, so I, I very quickly, I go, I started going, this is uncomfortable going this speed. And it wasn't that fast. It was only maybe 17, 18, 20 miles an hour or something it was the same feeling I had when I was going too slow. And there was places where, Oh, I could ride over that if I could go 25 miles an hour, but I can't go seven miles an hour cause I'll stop and sink, right. <laughs> you know? So, so it's, it's using the, you know, kind of using the theory and the technique that I have on, on where I can go, but it took, it literally took putting that trailer on to, to prevent me from riding where I wanted to go. But then, 
you know, there's times when you're in real sand dunes where you're not going to be cresting the dunes like you see the guys in the rally bikes and stuff doing. No, and, and those are the, often the pictures I think that, well, they're quite misleading, really, the, all the adventure bike shots you see where, you know, you get a top-level rider doing incredible things with adventure bikes. It's just, it's not reality for the, for the rest of us. Oh, I know this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, hey. I mean, it, it, can be, it can be done, and, and there, there are the techniques for it, but you better have all of the basic stuff. These guys that you see doing this, we're never out of balance. Um, we can we can feel the traction, and we're sure as heck not getting over the back and gassing it. Mm-hmm. It may sound like it. I mean, you're, you're going to hear the bike really revving up, and we're going to be using a lot of power, you know. But th- that's what you need to get to where you wanted to go. I think maybe what we should talk about with this, just before we wrap things up, is and it's very simple. I know um, getting unstuck because I think that anyone who goes in and plays around is going to have to experience this probably multiple times. What's your best methods for getting unstuck? Well, I, I need to put the I need to put a video up of the the little technique I did that you know the un the, the simple unstuck we'll call it. But let's say you really get buried, and then it's a matter of um, you know I, this is where I love the BMW. You just lean it onto the cylinder head, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't fall all the way over. That's what they're and for, kick, aren't they? Isn't that why they like that? No, no, it's a superior engine design. Oh, I thought it was strictly for <laughs> it, it the makes, tip over. It makes it makes better torque. No, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, you know, you lay it over. You know, luck. You know, so, sometimes the panniers are out enough to where you can kind of lay it over and, and kick some dirt back underneath the tire and and you know do that. Um, if you are pointing uphill, you may have to lay the bike over and pivot it to the point where you're going downhill, so you can get going again. Um, and that's where you flop it uphill side. You you lean it uphill, obviously, and, and drag the front Hopefully, wheel around. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've had to flop it every which way, you know, to get because I do some dumb thing. I'll try to ride up some. I've I've tried to ride up dunes and I've ridden into the sand dune. It was so soft. You know, <laughs> you, you see you see the falling sand on the one side, and I and you know I know it's not a very smooth transition. And I thought the tire was actually going to go up the sand, not into it. And, right. You know, I've I've had the beak of the motorcycle literally stuck in the sand. And just going, Jimmy, what'd you do this for? That hurts too, if you're going very <laughs> and, fast. And, and hey, you can dig all you want too, and it just keeps falling back in. It, it's not pretty. Yeah. But um, a lot of times it's just, it, and it's it's trying to figure out like, hey, where's my exit? How am I going to get out? And then getting making sure that your bike is pointed in, in that direction. I see a lot of times riders will just kind of sort of get it unstuck, but they're still pointing into a place where they're just going to get re- sort of restuck, but yeah, laying it over and, and, you know, and getting, getting unstuck, you know, getting on top of it again is generally your best bet. Sometimes clearing a path in front of the front tire can help so that the front tire isn't pushing into a hole, but All right. you know, uh, it just depends on how soft the sand really is. Yeah. Because once you're stuck, it's getting going again is usually the difficult part. From, from zero miles an hour up to, you know, three or four is the, is the, the hardest part. It's harder than going fast in the sand, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's getting comfortable being able to do that because just like any time when you're riding, when something starts going wrong, your best recourse is to just stop. And people will not stop in the sand because they feel like they're going to tip over. They feel like they're going to get stuck. But when you kind of go through the steps and go, Hey, I'm going to, um, really work on, you know, getting unstuck, not getting stuck, then, then you can start working on the riding part. 
And, and I guess sand is just like, you know, if you're riding mud, the thing is, I, I think part of it is, is learning the, uh, when to let off the throttle instead of burying yourself completely like that and, yep. and getting yourself so stuck. The minute you're going, the, the second, the millisecond, you're going down faster than you go forward. It's time to stop. Yeah, yeah. And, and that little that that little spot where you know that that's it, that's all you're going to do right there. That that's something you have to learn through experience. Yep, yep. And 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 a lot of times when you're just plopped down in the seat, you know, with your feet, both feet out, which is another, you know, we talk about the, the putting both feet out is bad too. But you, you all of a sudden you, you sort of like lose feeling for the bike. But if you're up. If you're up on, you know, standing on one foot peg with the other foot on the ground, sort of dabbing, you can feel the bike going down and you, you will feel it a lot quicker. Your feet are a lot better at telling you what's going on than your butt. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. So for now, personal practice exercise for somebody to go out and and practice themselves, you already mentioned it, which surprised me. Actually, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to say that, but, but talk about that. What, What can people do to get themselves started in sand riding? Well, find find some place that's that that has some, you know, that has some sand and and play in it. You know, go go. You know, I. I but you mentioned it we, first, though, you're going and practicing riding slow as a oh, precursor to that. <laughs> yeah, make sure. Yeah, I was I was I I guess I skipped the step. Make sure you're balanced. Make sure you can ride slow. You you need to be able to ride as slow as you're going to ride in the sand on whatever traction surface you're comfortable on. So whether it's just dirt or pavement, practice riding slow and, and, and not having to, you know, put both feet down and, and dab all the time because in sand, you, you're going to have to dab a lot. You're going to have to put that foot down. And I always say, if you see both feet come off the foot pegs and they're out, which means you're sitting on the seat, by the way, your feet go out, you're preparing to crash. You've begun the crash. And so you, you have to, you have to literally be able to just dab to one side because in the sand, you know, you're going to have to kind of, because if you're plopped, if you're sitting down in the seat, your bike's having to drag all that extra weight of you along with it too. But if you're up from when you're starting and you're, you're kind of pushing off as if you're, you know, on a skateboard, essentially, you're, you're kind of pushing away. That's a 200 pound advantage that your bike's going to have in the traction mm-hmm. to, to get going. So riding slow, you know, in, in, in balance is the key to going in there and then find some sand to go, to go do this in and then, and then experiment with, you know, how deep it is. And, you know, we find a place that has some hard pack right next to sand and then you can sort of dabble in it. You can go, you can go play in it and it's like, okay, I don't like this. You can just ride right out of it. Thank you for the permission to dab. That makes me feel much better now hearing it come from you <laughs> that, that you're oh, going oh, to you, have to dab a lot. Yeah, not a proper riding technique, but you will have to use it. Right. <laughs> like I, in my very perfect world, I never dab. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, you will, you will dab, and 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 you know, you, and knowing how to do it without knocking the bike out of balance is very critical as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else we should uh, talk about with um, riding in sand? Uh, just, I, I always want to emphasize: just start slow. Like, really, start. You, you know, start slow. Start just with very short segments, you know, just move, moving, but don't ever buy into the theory. Oh, you just, you just got to go a little bit faster. You just got to go a little bit faster because it, th- there's truth to it. It does work, but you're never going to know where the good speed is and you're never going to be comfortable in the sand. You will never, you're not, believe me, just by going a little bit faster, you're not going to have the aha because you're going to take all the bad habits with you and they're going to cause you to crash when you go too fast. 
and you won't even know it. Yeah, I think it makes it makes so much sense what you're saying, and I know you know that through experience. But to start off slow and master that slow speed first, because I think most times when people think of getting in sand, they say, "Oh, you got to get in there, dump the clutch, and get some speed up." And that, then you're going to find yourself in trouble. Whereas this way, you start off slow, you get comfortable with slow, then you speed up, you find the perfect zone, you go faster, you find where it's too fast, and you've just mastered it. I mean, it sounds yeah. simple. It, ma- mastered it is a is a is a well, is a big that's ask. Prob- yeah, that's, just, that's <laughs> probably a wrong it, term. It, it, and 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 your friend, you know, your friend that can ride through the sand that can go kind of can kind of what you appear as fast mm-hmm. going through the sand. Your friend isn't a really good sand rider unless he can go slow in the sand. This is the, you will find the good riders can go slow as well as fast in the sand. Mm, That's the difference. Right. Jimmy, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And I know I took you away from your semi-vacation um, and I appreciate you you making time for us. Oh, no, I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to be a novice in the, in the snow. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you have fun it's... and be careful because you can get hurt when you fall in the snow. Oh, I know. I, ha- I have a class this weekend, so uh, yeah, I got to get home and all safe and sound. That was Jimmy Lewis from Jimmy Lewis Off-Road Training, uh, where they have instructional courses on right now. As a matter of fact, you can check out what he's doing at jimmylewisoffroad.com. Of course, that link will be in our show notes, along with some photos that Jimmy sent us for this episode. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer Elizabeth Martin and of course to you the listener thank you very much for listening. Don't forget we've got another show that we do that comes out monthly called ARR Raw. You need to subscribe separately. It's Everything's uh, available at our website but of course you get your podcasts uh, wherever and you'll find both of our podcasts Adventure Rider Radio and Raw anywhere you find podcasts any quality place you find podcasts. Now if you're not doing it already the show is built on listener support and some ads okay so we need your support if you're not doing it now we would love you to drop by our website adventureriderradio.com click on support have a look at the options we have anything $10 or more gets you a sticker sent at you for your pannier your toolbox whatever anything $50 or more gets you a shout out on our raw show so we'd really appreciate it if you drop by and have a look at, at what we've got going on there and if you haven't done it already we would love it if you would drop by and give us a five star rating at iTunes that really helps other people find the show and I know we probably should have been asking about it. we definitely should have been asking people to do it the whole long through all these years we've been doing it but i haven't so i'm asking you now if you could drop by itunes and give us a five-star rating i would really appreciate it um and and let other people know what you think of the show anyway now it's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can my name is jim martin thank you very much for listening i really appreciate it and i'll talk to you next week
Hi, this is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. 